Our gospel lesson this morning is taken from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 and reading through verse 15. I invite us now to hear these words from the good news. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, again, good morning, and thank you for choosing to worship with us on this virtual uh, platform. It has been um, an interesting run uh, through the COVID uh, pandemic, and we've learned a lot, and we've continued to be able to reach out and to offer uh, words of hope and healing and um, the gospel message um, in your homes on this virtual platform and as of now are we are beginning to reopen and recongregate um, our sanctuary for services on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock so we thank you for choosing to worship with us I also want to thank George Hardesty for offering our ministry moment this morning and the morning prayer we are entering into a time and a season that has traditionally been a season of stewardship when we focus our attention on how we will be a part of the community of faith. How will we support one another? How will we worship and praise God? How will we grow the kingdom of God within us and among us? Basically, the stewardship season is about setting aside time to consider our response to God. It's a time to make or renew our decision to support the church with our whole being. We have modeled our stewardship campaigns on the vows of the United Methodist Church, just as Kristen mentioned earlier. We look to renew or to make new our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness. These are the promises that we offer to support one another and to look for support in return. Given the 2020 year is so strange, we will handle stewardship a little differently this year. Coming out of the Life as a House series, we considered God's grace through the imagery of a house. 
the front porch that invites, welcomes, and transitions us to the life of the house is a wonderful image of what we may call prevenient grace, the God, that God's grace goes before us before we ever even recognize or realize God is with us. The front door and the threshold of the house acts as a barrier and at the same time acts as a welcoming entryway into the life of the house. We find ourselves with a sense of belonging as we cross over the threshold and through the front door. It's a wonderful image of God's justifying grace in our life. And then we talked about those interior rooms that invite us into the interior life of the house. It is here that we learn and grow in our life and our faith. We learn and, and, and find more revelations of the homeowner. We find revelation and sanctification here, a powerful image of God's sanctifying grace. And now as we move into this series called Faithfully Together, we have with us this image of the church's front door, a familiar image for us. How appropriate to come after the Life, of, Life as a House series to find ourselves facing the front door of our church, of Ashland Place United Methodist Church, the door that we often think about as we enter the interior spaces, the sanctuary of the church, where we learn more about God, learn more about ourselves and our relationships with God and others. It is this door that we may envision coming and going out of our faith community. As we think about this door, as we work our way through this sermon series, I invite us to consider as a prayer the inscription that is found on St. Stephen's Church in London. The inscription is in, attributed to Thomas Kinn, who taught at Winchester College. Let us pray this inscription. O oh God, make the door of this house wide enough to receive all who need human love and fellowship, narrow enough to shut out all envy, pride, and strife. Make its threshold smooth enough to be no stumbling block to children, nor to straying feet, but rugged and strong enough to turn back the tempter's power. God, make this door of the house the gateway to thine eternal kingdom. Amen. We want to continue to focus our attention on our responses to God, to be a faithful community and faithful to God's grace and to support the community of faith. But we realize that our responses may look different this year and next year. This year we want to focus on what this year has taught us about the future, how we respond, how we adapt, and how we witness in this new and changing world. Prayers will certainly continue, but in today's world, we may be a little more sensitive to the health, wellness, and well-being of others. We may be more sensitive and in tune with changes that are forced upon us through pandemic and through natural disasters. Presence may take on a different meaning and we will find different approaches to being present together, such as this platform, such as Zoom meetings and Zoom Bible studies and Sunday school classes, 
social distancing outside and in arterial spaces. And we will find new ways to witness. We will witness by how we give from our finances and of our time. How do we support the church and one another financially and sacrificially is important. And it becomes part of our witness. With all this in mind, with this series faithfully together before us, we are considering how we respond to God, how we adapt to changes, and how we witness to our faith in a world of change. Today in this series, we will consider how we respond faithfully together. Let us consider the scriptures that we have read this morning from Psalms 31 and Colossians and Matthew chapter 6. Each of these passages are concerned with how we respond to change, fear, anxiety, blessings, distance, concern, and the frailty of human community. They are concerned with how we respond to God in regard to our relationship with God and our circumstances. Each of these passages is about prayer, about our conversations with God, our relationships with God and what we believe. This past week in our Tuesday evening Bible study, we spent time getting introduced to the book of Hebrews. One of the interesting things about this particular writing is the writer's concern for the audience is expressed in a prayer. The prayer is found in the last chapter of the book. Through the course of this prayer, we learn what the writer believes about God, about humanity, and the relationship that exists between God and humanity. Now let us think about this for a moment. In this prayer, we can hear what the writer believes. There is an old Latin phrase that captures this dynamic between prayer and belief. It is lex arande, lex credendi, the law of prayer, the law of belief. What the ancients wanted to communicate is that there is a direct correlation between what a person believes and what a person prays. What we believe informs our prayers, and the prayer in Hebrews is about the preeminence of Christ in the work of God to bring about good in humanity. Now let's consider just for a moment what the psalmist believes, what the apostle Paul believes, and what Jesus believes. The psalmist prays for salvation and help from an enemy. In the prayer, the psalmist reveals his trust in the righteousness and the faithfulness of God to deliver. Trust in the faithful God is the key belief in this prayer. The Apostle Paul prays for the Christians in Colossae that they will persevere and be thankful for the redemption and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. As Paul writes to this church, he is concerned about a, uh, a danger that was occurring in the church where members of the church, people of this faith community were beginning to bring, were beginning to bring in different um, beliefs and thoughts and philosophies to synchronize with their Christian belief. And it was becoming dangerous and was becoming a threat 
to the church, a threat to their faith. Paul uses these words about prayer as he talks about how he is praying for the church in Colossae. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In these words, we can hear Paul's belief in Jesus Christ and the work that God is doing through Jesus Christ for the redemption and the forgiveness of sins. All the strength, all the patience, and the kindness, all the faith that we require to be a faithful community is found through Jesus Christ. Paul, in his prayer, shows us what he believes. Jesus has been asked by his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 6 about how to pray. Other rabbis, such as John the Baptizer and others, would, would also instruct their disciples on how to pray. So it's only natural that his students, his disciples, his closest knit of friends would ask him about prayer. And after offering instruction on, on how to pray, he offers an example of how we might pray and reveals his belief that we have a parent-child relationship with God who is holy and is at work through us to grow his kingdom in all creation. We find the importance of trust, forgiveness, perseverance, and our relationship with God is revealed in how we treat others. Jesus prays these familiar words, and I invite us to hear them again this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We say this every Sunday, or nearly every Sunday, and nearly every worship service. These words, or some formulation of these words. I invite us in this time, in this season, to not merely say them, but consider them, reflect on them, and find belief and faith the belief of Jesus Christ, the faith of Jesus Christ that is found in his prayer. As we consider our prayer, let us carefully reflect on what we believe about God, about ourselves, and our relationships to God and one another. This is important to our faith and our life together.
especially if we understand that our belief is reflected in how we pray. Richard Foster was a professor at Candler School of Theology for many years, and actually many years before I arrived there. But he's a wonderful writer and teacher. Richard Foster suggests that prayer, this is in his book called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. Richard Foster suggests that prayer is about a love relationship, an enduring, continuing, growing love relationship with the great God of the universe. There are all kinds of methods and techniques of prayer, but for Foster and for maybe the psalmist and the apostle and the Christ, Prayer is about love. Real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. This understanding makes sense when we take a step or two back to see the Bible's story of God's love for us, a perfect divine love that embraces us. Richard Foster offers a wonderful story to kind of bring this idea of prayer and love together. Again, this is found in his book called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. He writes, One day a friend of mine was walking through a shopping mall with his two-year-old son. The child was in a particularly cantankerous mood, fussing and fuming. The frustrated father tried everything to quiet his son, but nothing seemed to help. The child simply would not obey. Then, under some special inspiration, the father scooped up his son and, holding him close to his chest, began singing an impromptu love song. None of the words rhymed. He sang off-key. And yet, as best he could, this father began sharing his heart. I love you, he sang. I'm so glad you're my boy. You make me happy. I like the way you laugh. On they went from one store to the next. Quietly, the father continued singing off-key and making up words that did not rhyme. The child relaxed and became still, listening to this strange and wonderful song. Finally, they finished shopping and went to the car. As the father opened the door and prepared to buckle his son into the car seat, the child lifted his head and said simply, Sing it to me again, Daddy. Sing it to me again. Prayer is a little like that. With simplicity of heart, we allow ourselves to be gathered up into the arms of the Father and let Him sing His love song over us. That's a powerful image. And it brings home Foster's idea that prayer is wrapped in love, God's love, divine love. And if we pray what we believe and we pray to God, we're praying about love. We're praying for love. I imagine if we focus on God's great love for us, we will begin to believe in this great love and find our prayers shaped by God's love. In our prayers, let us be founded and transformed by God's great love for us. Let us hear, let us hear Him singing His love song for each of us. 
But what do these notions about prayer have to say about faithfully together? According to Bishop Richard Wilkie in his book, Our Father, prayer in community is quite important for the individual and for the community. He cites an older psychological study by Drs. William Parker and Elaine St. John's. Their book references three study groups that were observed. The first group they called Random Prayers was comprised of people who had great psychological and emotional needs. These people believed in God and were assigned to individually pray about their needs. The second group was comprised of people with psychological and emotional difficulties they were recommended for psychological treatment with nothing said about prayer. And a third group was placed in a spiritual growth group where there was both psychological insight with testing and counseling and where there was open, loving, sharing together and learning how to pray. At the end of the study, the results showed the first group showed little to no change. Those who were random prayers the second group who received no word of prayer showed about an improvement of about 25% of significant improvement and others made some minor adjustments. The third group, those who were um, placed into spiritual growth groups and were intentional about prayer and psychological and emotional uh, treatment, about 80% of these respondents received great help physically, spiritually, and emotionally. The study further reveals some truths about prayer. True prayer is openness in, con in contrast to pretense. We have to be open and vulnerable to God and to one another. And we can remember about Jesus' words of pretense in prayer when he speaks of the hypocrite. True prayer is offered in humility in contrast to presumption. And true prayer seeks God's will. We will find power in prayer when we plug into God's story and plan. And the power of true prayer is found when we yield, when we let go. Prayer is knowing that we are God's people, God's children, God's loved. We can be honest with God and talk humbly with God. We can ask His purpose and we can trust God. Just as the psalmist teaches us and just as the Apostle Paul and Jesus teach us. As we consider stewardship from the perspective of faithfully together, let us pray. Let us be intentional about our belief and praying our belief, a belief in a loving God, the creator of all things who offers grace through Jesus Christ to forgive us and redeem us. And let us find ourselves falling in love with God, our loving parent. As we work our way through this stewardship season and this sermon series, I invite us to keep in mind that inscription from St. Stephen's Church. And I will close with this prayer, the same prayer we opened with. Let us pray.
O oh God, make the door of this house wide enough to receive all who need human love and fellowship, narrow enough to shut out all envy, pride, and strife. Make its threshold smooth enough to be no stumbling block to children nor to straying feet, but rugged and strong enough to turn back the tempter's power. God, make the door of this house the gateway to thine eternal kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>